Hi, everyone, and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at Kvaza. I'm your host, John Dom, even. Can't even say <laughs> my own name. That tells you the <laughs> level I am at this name, week. Uh, joined by Henry and Lewis. Can either of you say your own names? <sighs> I'm going to have to get back to you on that, John. <laughs> Just about. Yeah. Well, let's hope it can only get better from here. Uh, first off, apologies for the fact uh, anyone used to watching us live, this episode is a couple hours late. That is because we want to talk about the Pixel 6a and Google said we couldn't do it until now. So that is happening now. Um, also apologies for missing last week's show. Lewis was sick, Henry was on holiday, and so it would have just been me sitting in my <laughs> office talking to myself for an hour, kind of frazzled after Prime Day. Um, and if I can't even say my own name today, <laughs> imagine how bad I would have been on my own for an hour in yeah, a Friday week. Quite the monologue. Uh, the Johnologue. The Johnologue. That would have been great. <laughs> okay, so we will be talking about the Pixel 6a today. Henry has been using it for the last week or two, so he's able to review that. It's on pre-order right now. It launches officially next week, so we are going to have our thoughts on how that stacks up. I will be reviewing the Nothing Phone 1. Uh, which obviously launched last week. It's actually worked out okay because the review embargo for that came a few hours after the episode would have been last week. So my one-hour monologue last week couldn't <laughs> even have included my review of the phone I'd been using for the last week. Uh, so it really would have been slim pickings if we'd done an episode. Uh, so I'll be reviewing, reviewing the phone one, and then we're going to kind of compare the two directly a little bit because they are basically the exact same price. So they're the two new mid-rangers at that 400 uh, pound uh, and dollar price point. So we'll chat a little bit about how they stack up, which is the better of the two, and how they compare to other very similarly priced phones like the Nord 2T, the iPhone SE, and the Galaxy A53. Then and finally, we are going to talk about Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked event. The company has now officially confirmed after some cryptic teasers that it's holding Galaxy Unpacked on August 10th. So we're going to run through the products we are expecting to see, the updates we're expecting to those products based on leaks and things like that, and trying to figure out just how excited we should be about Samsung's next big event. All right, before that, let's run through some other little bits and pieces. Uh, first off, OnePlus has had its own little tease of an upcoming event. Uh, the company has confirmed it is launching the OnePlus 10T 5G on August 3rd at an actual live event in New York. Uh, a live event to the extent that if you are a fan, you can go and try and get tickets for it. Um, you have to pay, I think, you get some goodies. I have no idea how the process works because I am not in New York, so have not paid much attention to it. But if you do happen to be in New York and love OnePlus <laughs> enough to pay to be in a room where they talk about the fun for an hour or two, the option is now yours. Uh, we only know basically the phone is gonna come in green black, and that it will have an 8 Plus Gen 1 as the chipset. So that's a definite upgrade from the 10 Pro early this year. There's been a lot of leaks otherwise, but concrete stuff, that's all we've got so far. Um, what OnePlus has done is they have described this phone as um, the performance flagship, which in the past, they've often talked about phones as performance versus photography. So I think if you're thinking about how this compares to the 10 Pro from early in the year, that should give you a clue. I would expect the 8 Plus Gen 1 is obviously a performance bump, that probably means we're getting that bump to 150 watt charging that we've already seen in other OnePlus devices, which would be another upgrade from the Pro. But I wouldn't expect the camera to be a match for what we saw in the Pro earlier this year. And hopefully the price is also a bit lower to compensate for that. 
Um, what else we got? The Oppo Reno 8 series has now launched in India and I think is rolling out in some other Asian markets. Um, we don't really know yet if we're going to see many of these come to Europe or the UK. Uh, the Reno line often just gets rebadged as parts of the Find X line later in the year, so I still think it's kind of unlikely we'll officially get Reno 8 models in Europe. Um, the other confusion here, if you're trying to look these phones up, is the Reno 8 in India is the same as the Reno 8 in China, except that one of the camera lenses has been changed. Right. While the Reno 8 Pro in India is the same as the Reno 8 Pro Plus in China, and China's Reno 8 Pro is not releasing globally. So they've mixed up the lineup a little bit, which will make it a bit confusing if you're trying to uh, Google for specs. So just be careful about that if you are <laughs> curious about these phones and want to do a bit more of a deep dive online. I was just doing the exact same thing. Uh, Vivo, <laughs> sticking with BBK, Vivo has unveiled the IQ 10 and 10 Pro in China. Uh, IQ, if you don't remember, is Vivo's sort of semi-gaming phone line, or at least like performance phone line, uh, where they always do this partnership with uh, BMW Motorsports. They have the racing stripes down the back. Uh, the most exciting thing about these is that the IQ 10 Pro is the first phone on the market with 200 watt wide fast charging. Um, which is a bit mad. I mean, I'd be a bit scared about <laughs> having right. it close to my bed. <laughs> it's <laughs> a full charge, charge in 10 minutes, <laughs> which is mad. And that's not it's not even a small battery. It's a 4,700 milliamp, milliamp hour battery. So it's a reasonable capacity. Um, it'll still get a full charge in 10 minutes. And they've actually managed to fit 50 watt wireless charging in as well, which I... Very curious about. I haven't looked how thin this phone is, but I can't imagine. Vivo normally makes quite slender phones, but I just don't see how slender it can be <laughs> with that fast charging, the cooling required for that, a battery that size, and a wireless charging coil. But, We've got um, to be excited, though. We literally named this show after I know, that, right. So. <laughs> I, I still love this stuff. I mean, I, I, I loved when I reviewed the, the Realme GT and the O3 with its 150-watt charging, and mm. it's absolutely bonkers, but I you know, had a great time just watching my phone. Mm -hmm. You know, just the, the percentage climbs so fast as you're watching it. It's it's actually really satisfying, isn't it? Yeah. Like just seeing it like, oh, yeah. Uh, and it does speech. alleviate battery concerns because <laughs> when you know you can just plug your phone in for two minutes while you make a cup of tea and it will get a, ch a decent chunk of charge back in that time. Um, anyway, so yeah, IQ 10 and 10 Pro. Normally, these IQ flagships do get international launches. So I, I imagine we will see it roll out, at least to India and hopefully Europe as well. Um, but probably in another month or two. There's normally a little bit of a gap. Okay. Welcome also it was in the news this week. They announced the W5 and W5 Plus, uh, which is their new generation of wearable chipsets. So they've... This is sort of the first gen since they did their renaming across the Snapdragon line. So these are the follow-ups to the Snapdragon 4100 series with a slightly snappier name. Um, there's two chips... They basically use the same core processor, and the big jump here is that they've gone to a 4 nanometer process, which is really impressive because A, that's what they also use in the 8 Gen 1 and 8 Plus Gen 1. B, the last wearable chip they had two years ago was 12 nanometer, and before that it was 28 nanometer. So they have made quite big generational leaps in the last few years, in, in fairness to them, at least in terms of the process they're using. Mm. So... The only difference between the Plus and the regular model is that the Plus includes a Qualcomm coprocessor to handle low power tasks, and that enables some massive improvements in power efficiency. Uh, the regular 5 doesn't come with that coprocessor, 
but that's only so that manufacturers can put their own third party or custom parts in in its place. So that just means there's scope for people to uh, try and do it a bit differently to how Qualcomm does, or maybe just cheaper than how Qualcomm does. Um, first products are actually coming really soon, which is a bit unusual for the smartphone space. So in August, we're going to get the Oppo Watch 3 series. We don't know a lot about it, but we know one of those or all of those will be using the regular W5. And then later in this year, we're getting a new Mobvoi TicWatch flagship, and that will be the first to use the W5+. Um, and they've also, quite common said, they've been working with Google on this to build in Wear OS compatibility, and that's been kind of a partnership from the ground up on this generation. So A, that means we should expect these to run Wear OS pretty well. B, it definitely flags that little bit of speculation about things like what chip might be inside the Pixel Witch. Pixel Watch, God, I really can't speak today. Uh, <laughs> or what chip might be inside the next gen of Fitbits that we see. Yeah. Um, you know, how tight is this partnership between Google and Qualcomm? Are they really yeah. going to be actually working it into the Google hardware too? And yeah, they're, they're, that's a really good point. And also, yeah, with the Fitbit thing, that we still haven't really seen uh, much of a change in Fitbit hardware since its acquisition. And it's really unclear about how that's going to go forward. So it'd be quite interesting to see if they, uh, yeah, if they put that in their next smartwatch. Yep. Um, and one last little Qualcomm tip that uh, they also finally officially announced the Snapdragon Summit for this year, uh, which is when they are almost certainly going to be announcing the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2, the next big flagship phone chip. What's interesting is that it is in mid-November, which is a change for Qualcomm as they normally hold the event in early December. So we're getting it about three weeks earlier than normal. So we're going to meet the next gen chip earlier than normal. That does suggest we might see the first gen of eight gen two phones a little bit earlier than normal uh, i've seen speculation that that's basically from a perspective of chinese companies wanting to have more phones out and on the market in terms of china in time for chinese new year which is a big sales period so yeah i i think this may mean we're normally used to seeing these like the first ones launch right at the end of december or in early january and i think we might actually see some of these hit the chinese market at least earlier in december or even in november um, so yeah. yeah, a little bit, little bit less time to wait for HN2 phones. Um, and finally, there's been a lot going on in this week. Uh, ha Huawei has announced a launch of Harmony OS 3.0, their next gen software, um, which is both the software they use in their phones and tablets, but it's also technically the same OS that they run through all of their smart home tech. So we're not sure exactly how big a change this will bring generationally on the phone and tablet side but i would imagine there is some because we also know they're going to be announcing a matepad pro on the same day uh, probably some other hardware but we're not sure what but i don't see why you'd pair the os launch with a tablet launch unless the os has some exciting tablety phony features in that they're going to get to show off mm. um so yeah the big all the question marks here basically are is Huawei going to be able to keep like carving out a path in which Harmony becomes more and more its kind of thing? Or are we about to see Harmony OS 3.0 launch with lots of Android 12 stuff jammed into it? <laughs> uh, and I'm very curious, and this will tell us a lot about maybe the, not just where Harmony OS is now, but maybe the route Huawei is going to take with this software platform over the next few years. Cool, that's enough babble from me for somebody who can't talk this week. Let's... <laughs> Hand it over to Henry to save me for a bit. Uh, Henry, you've been testing out the Google Pixel 6a for, I think, a couple of weeks now. So, yeah. What are your first, what's your overall take? Oh, where, where to begin? Here it is. 
Oh, can't see it. Too blurry. <laughs> it's black. It's very black. So That's it. how to sum this phone up? It's really good. And it's really good value. It's really good value. It's really good value as well. So wow. we're used and to that's our segment done. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. See you later. Thank, thanks for having Let's me. Move on. Um, yeah. No. So uh, <laughs> lay of the land. Pixel A series has been going since Pixel 3A. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had a bit of a weird one due to general world burning down and COVID and supply chains. And the Pixel 5A, which came out last year, was only for the US and Japan. So we never, well, we didn't get it in the UK to review or anything like that. But it continued the... Uh, pattern that Google had been doing since the 3A, which was the A series comes out, hopefully six months, although, you know, whatever, uh, <laughs> after the uh, flagship models. And it has exactly the same camera, main camera, at least, as that phone. Mm. And then it downgrades the processor uh, and the materials as part of the leveling out of the price, which is normally about $200 or pounds less. Uh, that's the same this year, but they have changed their approach to what the A-series is and how it's built. So for the first time in an A-series phone, you don't get the main camera lens uh, that's on the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro this year. So that is the first time that the Pixel Ooh. line went up to a 50 megapixel uh, main sensor. And this year, you only get the 12.2 megapixel lens, which Google itself wouldn't confirm to me is the same one that it used since the Pixel 3, but I'm pretty certain that it is. So you don't get the same camera with the A-series, but what you do get is the Tensor chip, which is debuted, debuted in the 6 and 6 Pro, uh, and you get that in the 6A. So they've switched around the processor and camera priorities here. So what that means... One, yeah, one thing that complicates that a little bit in terms of, I guess there's an easy way to say, ah, oh, well, it's a camera downgrade and a performance upgrade. But of course, camera is now so much about processing. Mm. And that's certainly a big part of how Google pitched Tensor is <laughs> it's a machine learning chip. And the photography yeah. they do is all machine learning. So this may also partly be a recognition from Google that actually the best way to keep parity on the camera is actually to worry about the chip rather than worry about the camera hardware. Yeah, I think so. And, and unless you're a true pixel peeper, which I know as journalists, tech journalists, maybe we should be, but my overall impression, uh, having used the Pixel 6 Pro quite a lot, uh, and then used the 6A, is that you really can't notice much of a difference, particularly with still photography, which is what the Pixel is best at. So what you're getting here is a phone that mm -hmm. does feel flagship quick. It really is like performance and you know in terms of benchmarking tensor is slightly below particularly the bionic um apples uh, that you find like even down in the se um and then against the latest you know eight plus gen one it's going to be slower as well but really for like normal phone things this is a very quick phone and at this price range you don't normally see that kind of thing um and then the camera yeah you get the 12.2 megapixel main uh, and then you get the same which is nice uh ultra wide camera that you get on the six and six pro which oh, right. I didn't realise it was actually the same ultra wide as Yeah, and used. Google did confirm that to me because that's right. uh, nicer for them to tell me that. Uh, than yeah. to. <laughs> um, so it is the same <laughs> and it's a good ultra wide lens. It doesn't fisheye. It's quite well detailed, but um, the main camera is what is what the Pixel is all about. Um, so fantastic from that point of view. Um, it, <laughs> I'm hesitant to call it a small phone because it's a 6.1 inch uh, AMOLED. Um, but I will say, as a person with quite small hands, that it's the most manageable Android phone I've used in some time. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't reach the top of the screen without a bit of gymnastics, but people with bigger hands, maybe they could. Uh, it's only 60 hertz. <laughs> so that's one of the other um, downgrades, shall we say, or you know, compromises that Google have made at this price. 
you're going to see that in things that cost roughly the same, like the iPhone SE. And I, I won't uh, let uh, John here ramble about the uh, the, <laughs> the screen on the SE because I'm, 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 I hear you've done that. Um, <laughs> But if you look at the same price, if you are a specs um, a person, then, you know, uh, my main comparison would be with the uh, OnePlus Nord 2T, just because that's the phone that I've used, uh, £30 less uh, in the UK, and you're getting um, 90 hertz screen. And also, yeah, the, the similarly priced Nothing Phone 1 gets you 120 hertz. So yep. I, will, I will say that as someone who's used high refresh rate screens quite a lot, having used the Pixel 6a for like two weeks, I didn't really miss it. And I have on other phones, but I think this is this is it's a very good panel. It doesn't ghost and look horrible like the SE does, and um, maybe I don't use my phone enough on, on high on high refresh rate <laughs> stuff, or just in, or just in general. <laughs> but I I I think it's a very good panel, and the brightness in particular was impressive for a phone of this price. Um, only in like blaring, uh, you know, forty degree weather that we've had here, uh, is it is it difficult to see? It does have good brightness. <laughs> One of the things that I dislike about this phone. And probably, probably the thing I dislike about it the most, and I don't know if this is too harsh, so maybe you can chime in here. But um, so first of all, it was good. I thought the, the back was glass. <laughs> it's not. It's a, a, a composite, which I uh, a plastic composite, which I only kind of realised having. Uh, they didn't send me a case, so I've I'm pretty good with my phones. Like I've I don't I've never cracked a screen touch wood, and they don't I don't sort of place mm-hmm. them down roughly or whatever. But this thing is absolutely covered in like little micro scratches and some other big ones as well. Mm. Uh, so oh, this is like a, no. a charcoal model. There's also a green, which they call sage and a white, which they call chalk. And maybe the white one would hide it better. But yeah, I kind of looked at it after only a week um, and all down the bottom edge, a tiny little scratches, which are very hard to photograph. Uh, but there is one in my review and and a couple of big scratches. Yeah, and exactly. There. And if I had bought this phone um, and then, you know, just putting it down on tables, just as you normally would, scratched it up that much after two weeks, I would be annoyed. And and it's a shame because the Gorilla Glass mm-hmm. 3, which isn't the most, isn't the newest Gorilla Glass, is on, is on the front and the screen is absolutely um, impeccable. There's no there's no scratches on there at all, which I suppose is good, but it, the phone already looks pretty battered for two weeks. This is something that I think there's a lot of misconceptions about around, yeah. because we get this all the time when we post videos on the channel and we talk about um, phones having glass as a good thing and plastic as a bad thing in terms of the build quality or you know why you might pay a premium for glass. There's always people jumping in the comments to say, no, I way prefer plastic, it's more durable, your phone won't break as much, plastic is a good thing, I prefer plastic phones. And I totally get where they're coming from. But I think they forget that there's two types of durability, right? There's shattering and there's scratching. <laughs> and glass is yeah. much more vulnerable to shattering. Even Gorilla Glass Victors it is way more likely to shatter than a plastic phone. But it's very good, especially again these Gorilla Glass versions, at resisting micro scratches. Yeah, plastic is the other way around. You're very unlikely to break mm-hmm. your plastic phone, but you are going to scratch it. There's no plastic around that is as scratch resistant as the latest Gorilla Glasses, and that is the trade-off you're making. And I think people think, oh, plastic won't break, so it's better, but it will scratch. So you'll get those little cosmetic dings very, mm-hmm. very quickly in any plastic. Uh, I mean, I think this one seems particularly scratch prone did spot Mm. the photo you have in your review and yeah that's very scratchy for only a week or two yeah i took that a week ago that as well that picture and so it's wow that's only one week of use yeah roughly roughly yeah yeah. or maybe maybe like nine (laughs) days or something so like yeah yeah, it's it's even worse now and i would i would be annoyed i know most people are probably probably going to buy a case and um and maybe not even notice or care maybe but i i think i think it was worth noting because it's i've reviewed plastic phones before and it's not been this bad no 
Uh, the other thing that stopped me from giving the phone five stars alongside, because it is it is very good, so, but I would say the three things that are the, the negatives um, at the price, I know it didn't bother me, was the 60 hertz, the scratching, which is really bad. And then also, <laughs> and it's just become a problem since they don't put chargers in the box and there's no charger in the box here, is um, the slow and hot charging of this phone. Um, mm. It's 18 watt, which is another downgrade. From, oh, from, I thought it would from, be the 30 that the others are. Yeah, so no, the 6 and 6 Pro, as you say, are 30, yeah. um, and you have to buy that charger separately from Google um, or, you know, use a third-party one. But this is, I think this is it's not just for the Pixel. It kind of encapsulates an issue that we talked about with the um, Xperia 1 Mark IV recently as well. If they're going to ship phones without the charger in the box, there really should be some kind of instruction on which specific charges to use and USB-C yep. is like a minefield at the moment. I know yeah. that you know the EU is going to is going to impose <laughs> some kind of uh, standardization in the future, but at the moment I just feel that if you're being sold a phone with a USB-C to C cable in the box as well, um, but no instruction anywhere in the software or in the box on what charger you should be using, then I feel that I should be testing it how other people would, which is by plugging any old random USB-C cable and brick into the phone. And without fail, every single one I've done, which I think a few of the chargers I've got here, for example, my MacBook charger, are going to be more than 18 watt. The phone gets very hot when charging without fail. It also right. got very hot when I ran benchmarks on it. Google blocked benchmarks from me and then they gave me an official statement saying they did that to avoid leaks of benchmark scores uh but then just told me that i was welcome to sideload the apps so i did <laughs> um and it, it got pretty hot doing that uh so those those are the things that i would and i you know shaved half a point off because you know uh if you go and pre-order the phone today google will try and upsell you to a 30 watt charger i don't have that uh, charger personally but i would guess that even google's official charger is going to charge this phone quite hot and uh, it was a little bit worrying it was too hot yeah that's um heating is always a little concerning and heating when charging more than any other type of heating <laughs> i that was my big i we spoke oh, out yeah. on the show but the xperia 1.4 both of us had that problem that you uh mm. when charging that phone it ran very very hot and so it's a little worrying uh i have a couple of questions so yeah. one just to clarify is the this has ip67 yeah water resistance is that which right which is good for this price range yep yeah so wow, again yeah, i think really the cool. iphone and the samsung galaxy a53 are the two close rivals that yeah. have that same standard mm -hmm. um but it is really rare and that's um one of the standout features what it doesn't have is wireless charging it does not no yeah. so yeah you lose you lose that as well um, Which, again, is not a standard at this price, but I think that the iPhone and the Nothing both have have wireless yeah. charging. So there are wireless charging options at the same price if that appeals to someone. So, yeah, and comparing all those kind of phones together, you've got the iPhone SE, the Nothing phone, Galaxy A53, Nord 2T, and now the Pixel 6a, all roughly $400 or, or pounds. And yeah. you're, you're basically like... It's kind of one of those things. You can have three of these things, but not five of these things. Exactly. Um, you just got to like pick the main which things. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll get to that when we get through talking about the nothing probably yeah. in a minute, I guess. Um, last last question I have specifically on this because I know people are going to be curious. How is the fingerprint scanner? Ah, yes, good. I, I did mean to bring that up, so thank you. It Ooh. is definitely better than on the Pixel 6 Pro, which I have used. I haven't used the uh, Pixel 6, but obviously we've heard all about the issues with that. It must be different. I, I don't know if it's different um component under there but it is much better i haven't had to retrain my thumb once for, yeah for either hand um pixel 6 pro for me at least was one of those ones where i i felt like it was forgetting my thumb <laughs> mm. somehow or you had to really press dead on for quite a while but this is <laughs> this is instant actually it's very good 
Um, right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a decent upgrade. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think with the. I'm sorry, you guys. Guys... What are we looking at in on set? I've just got a quick question. Yeah. Um, yeah. About the software commitment uh, upgrades. Another, so another, what are we looking at? Another fine upgrades? question. Uh, you get like uh, three years of Android platform updates. Which I still think is odd for Google because that's one year less than Samsung and it's Google. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think of the Pixel 7 launch, they're going to have to jump mm. to four years, right? They're gonna, I, I, yeah. I can see why they might wait for the flagship to make that upgrade mm. to their commitment, but they've got to, to match Samsung. They can't because be outplayed by Samsung on the own platform. Because it's five years of security updates. Yeah. So it's pretty good for buying a £400, $450 uh, phone in 2022 and knowing that you're safe until 2027, yeah. that's pretty good. And the battery life of this phone is also good. That's the other thing I wanted to just say quickly uh, yeah. as well, even though the charging is a bit of um, a bit of a minefield for me at least, and it does charge quite slowly, but the battery life was very good. <laughs> I've, I've roamed on this um, in Europe and um, at home, I never, ever hit 20%, even though I was like roaming taking tons of photos using yep. google maps uh, in the car like it's very good battery life maybe nice. not two, that, maybe not two days but more than one that's especially good given it as you say maybe maybe calling it a small phone would be a bit far but it is a mm. smaller phone and battery is always the compromise you yeah. make when you, when four, you go for a smaller device 4400 milliamp hour i think cool. um so obviously google's doing something smart with adaptive battery here because i always kind of think on some other phones that run android uh, a recent android version i'm like this adaptive battery is not doing anything but yes. they, must, they must be doing something here because it's quite good. <laughs> yeah, yeah probably. With yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I can understand <laughs> the, the compromises that they've made. And it's good to see this with like a pretty uh, global, uh, well, as much as, <laughs> and it's not every country in the world, but a much better um, availability than the 5A. Yep. Great. Okay. Well, let's turn to talk about the nothing now, because mm. in a lot of ways, these are kind of similar devices, and we've already compared them a little bit already. Um, so yeah, nothing phone one, obviously, this launched last week, I was embargo timing and our episode being cancelled meant we couldn't talk about it last week. But I have been reviewing this phone. I've actually not been using it the last week, because I've been switched to something else. But I did use the nothing for um, a little over a week, maybe a week and a half, I use this as my main phone. And I'm also really impressed with this. I'm a really big fan of the phone one. I've got it here in black. Um, I think it's a funny device because you've got to look past the hype that they had and the campaign that they had and the way they tried to build this up as, you know, this industry upending convention wrecking device that would change the way we use our phone on a day-to-day -day basis. And it just isn't that. It's not even close to that. It's nowhere near. Um, all of that is nonsense. <laughs> what it is, is a really good, really good value mid-range phone with a couple of weak spots and some very silly lights on the back. <laughs> and what's nice about it, though, is I'm, the, the pricing has really surprised me because you're not really paying any extra for those lights. So if you don't want the lights and you think, I will never use the silly glowing back, that's fine. You can turn it all off. And you're not really, it, it's not that kind of feeling where you're like, well, I'm paying an extra 50 bucks for this phone to have this light system. I guess you must somehow, but it's still excellent value at the price point it is at 400. Um, the big caveat here, obviously for some, some listeners will be, this is not launching in North America. Uh, it is available across the UK and Europe and India and across Asia. So a lot of the world is getting it, but in the US, uh, not Canada and also not China, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's getting a fairly fairly broad launch, which again is impressive considering where they are. Uh, and one thing to say as well 
if you were a bit nervous about all the pre-order stuff, about the invite-only lists and waiting lists and 100,000 people in the queue and when are you going to get yours, it's super widely available. <laughs> you can just go buy one right now. I think, you know, they were obviously trying to build hype and exclusivity <laughs> and this thing's hard to get. That was just for getting one early. It's now officially on sale. You right. can walk into a shop and buy one. There's absolutely no availability issues there, so don't don't stress about it. Is it correct uh, that the white one that they um, showed off extensively um, is actually only available at a higher price point? Yes. So the there are three SKUs. There is um, eight one to eight gig of RAM and one hundred and twenty eight gig of storage, which is the entry level one. That is the one that is three hundred ninety nine pounds in the UK, and I think it's four hundred and fifty euros, uh, if I've got that right. That version is only available in black. Um, you then jump to, I think it's, I'm just finding it now, 8 gig of RAM and 256 storage. That's a 50 pound, 50 euro jump. Um, and then 12 gig and 256 is the third SKU. That one's not available yet. It's coming later in the summer. Um, but yeah, the white is only available if you go for the higher storage. And I think that top SKU will also be both white and black. So you can get any of those set setups in black. Mm -hmm. But if you want the white, you will have to go for at least the second one up in, right. the, in the pecking order. Um, I think that is just a recognition that most people buy black phones. And, yeah. you know, even for a company that's trying to do all this crazy design stuff and interesting visuals, they still ultimately have to acknowledge that the vast majority of people want the black one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we should talk about the design a bit because that is the unique thing about this phone i think again nothing hype this up as if it's something that changes the way you use your device and it doesn't but it's a cool looking design and it will be for many people the reason they buy this phone or alternatively the reason they do not buy this phone <laughs> because i think it is going to be a little divisive uh so that is the back of the black phone if you're if you're watching and sorry to anyone listening um so it's sort of semi-transparent uh it is made of glass uh, the rear, and then what you've got inside is these kind of multi-layered and multi-textured plastic bits that are covering up where the components are. You can't see any actual circuitry or silicon or chipboards or anything like that. But what you see is sort of shapes that hint at what's there. Like there's the big circle in the middle for the wireless charging coil. In one corner, there's a little sort of a squiggly bit that represent one of the connectors. Uh, there's lots of visible screws all over the back, which is a nice touch. So it hints at the way the phone is built without actually really showing you anything um i mean in a sense this is a failure on their part i think they were clearly trying for something more transparent than this and recognize that they just couldn't do it in a way that looked nice and i wouldn't be surprised if what we see in future generations is a bit more actual componentry being on display once they build in a manufacturing pipeline that lets them oh, yeah get more custom parts that look that way. Right. Um, but it's hard to say for sure. But as it is right now, I think it is a nice balance. It looks cool. It's got interesting textures, interesting shapes, but ultimately is mostly just a black or white phone if you want to leave it that way. Um, you then have the lights, which are called the Glyph interface. Um, and there they all are. So you have these set of different shaped Ooh, lights all around that. the back. Um, this is turning them all on. You can basically set it up like this so that you can use it as a fill light when you're using the camera, which is um, not actually that useful, but it's a nice idea. Uh, other little use cases, the light on the bottom will illuminate slowly as you're charging and the bar will fill up. Uh, the big circular one will turn on if you are reverse wireless charging something on top. And then other than that, basically the main thing is just ringtones. 
Um, this is a glorified version of a notification LED. It will flash in time with ringtones and notification alerts. You can set different ringtones for different people, different notification alerts for different apps. Um, and the idea is it means when you have your phone face down, you might see a certain pattern of lights or sounds that makes you go, oh, I know that's a Twitter notification, so I don't need to check my phone for that. It's not urgent. But you see a different one that you go, oh, I know that one's a WhatsApp. So now I will check my phone because I know I want to check my WhatsApp messages when they come in. Can I play devil's advocate? Yes, please. If you wanted to know what was coming into <laughs> your phone in that way, wouldn't you just have it face up? So you could see what the notification yes. was. It doesn't do anything <laughs> that you're always on display doesn't already do. I don't want to be too snarky about a product and that is clearly very different to lots anything else out there, and that's cool. And we're talking about it, and we, yeah. I like the look of it, particularly that button, yeah. actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the actual functionality, people aren't going to actually use that, right? No, I, and this is the thing. I haven't used it. I've found that nine times out of ten, instinctively, I still put my phone down screen up. Because this still supports always on display and they have yep, their own right. custom always on display with their own font and their own UI for it and all that stuff. And that looks nice. That mm. way you also get a clock. I'm really surprised they didn't find a way to use the circular light on the back to simulate a clock uh, when you had idea. it uh, back up because that would have been useful. That would have uh, been They cool. don't have anything like that. So if you want the time as well, which for me is the main reason I use an always on display actually is a quick glance at a clock. Mm -hmm. um, you want the screen up. That will also obviously give you the little app icons you know what app has come in so <clears throat> there's nothing it does that an always on display doesn't do and that's part of why that whole hype this whole thing about it's going to change the way you use your phone no it does not um also half the thing here is like the flashes are tied to audio it's tied to the ringtones but i don't know anyone who uses ringtones no i, I haven't had a <laughs> ringtone on my phone in, in a decade <laughs> Like, I guess some people out there still use them and the ships with 10 custom ringtones and they all sound like this series of sci-fi bleeps and bloops and beeps and all this kind of stuff. Um, very kind of R2-D2 noises, but I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know why in, in today's age I mean, many people would ever use it, especially nothing's target audience, which is kind of tech-savvy young people. They, they are not using ringtones. I have... Um specific ringtones for contacts on my phone and stuff Do like you? that just so i know who's ringing before i look at my wow. phone and i can just choose to my ignore phone it. is on silent <laughs> my phone is always on like vibrate only and has been for as long as i you know i felt weird having to put it on audio mode to test the nothing so that i would occasionally get the alerts and the ringtones and, <laughs> See, and get a sense of it I, I find it very unnatural this all makes so much sense as to why there aren't any new ringtones and <laughs> text tones coming on. You've been waiting anymore. for a I've new crazy frog for so long. For some news. <laughs> I'm like, please. I think it is remarkable though that a company, and uh, I know, you know, we in the tech industry, we know about phones, we know who Carl Pay is, but he's not exactly a household name. And I would, no. I would argue that OnePlus isn't quite a household name either. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's unfair. But it, um, it, this came up last night uh, when I was out with friends and I was out with someone and one of them asked me if I'd reviewed the nothing and I said, oh yeah, and we chat about it. And the other person said, well, what, what's a nothing? And I said, oh, well, it's the new phone by the guy who founded this other company called OnePlus. And she was just still staring at exactly, me completely yeah. blankly like, what's a OnePlus? Because like, <laughs> that's the thing. I think we've been oversaturated with it and they keep drip feeding all this and we were like saying, um, oh, they're doing that the annoying thing. But I mean, what it's successfully done, I would assume, is push the nothing phone into media outside of tech. And yes. like, you know, the BBC reported on it. Um, and like, you and know, that's... when was the last time that uh, it went so far? You know, it was in fashion magazines. You said at the launch, there wasn't really any tech press there, right? 
Yeah, it was very clear there were a handful of token tech press and everyone else was an influencer. <laughs> it was it was fashion people, uh, mm. very much. They're so. going to they're, cool. they're trying to reach a much wider audience than than the tech community. Yeah, right? absolutely. The, the, you know, during the launch event, they you know were doing little interviews with a few people who'd, who'd been involved in making the fun and stuff, and they chatted to one media person, and that was the editor of Wallpaper Magazine, which is a design yeah. publication. Yeah, you know, that's the, they're trying to reach design people, they're trying to reach arty people, they're trying to reach fashion people, which is the same they did with the the Ear One Buds as well. That has always been their, their statement, and that's kind of why for the UK at least. You know, the places you can buy this are nothing, Amazon, um, John Lewis, which is a big department store, um, one of the networks, and then Selfridges. You know, mm. it's very purposeful that they have on their very short list of retail partners, they made sure that Selfridges was on there. So they have this strong kind of fashion side to, to the whole strategy they've had around launching all these products. What is the camera like? Good. Um... Not as groundbreaking as nothing would again like to have you think. So they've made a nice choice, which is to go for a dual rear camera rather than throwing on four or five lenses. Um, and you have a main camera and an ultra wide and they're both 50 megapixel. Mm. So there's no rubbish macro or depth sensor filling up the, the camera count. Um, the main camera is the Sony IMX 766. It's a 50 megapixel. It's the same one that's on the OnePlus Nord 2T. It's mm. the same one that is on countless mid-range devices and some flagships, to be fair. The Oppo Find X5 Pro uses it as its main camera as well. So that's a very good main camera. It comes with OIS on the sensor, so you get OIS built in as well. Um, that's very capable. Um, the ultra-wide is also 50 meg, but it is not the same sensor. It's a Samsung JN1 sensor. It's definitely not to the same standard. Right. Um, I should say today they pushed out their first over-the-air update to the phone since launch, which says it has upgrades to the ultra-wide algorithm and to the color tuning to make them closer. Because one of the things I noticed was the color palettes between those two lenses were very different. Um, and the ultra-wide came out a lot more washed out and, and pale and less vibrant. There is a patch today. I've installed it, but I haven't been able to actually test it. So I don't know how much of a difference that's, that's made. I would still say this is a good ultra-wide and it is going to be better than most of the other ultrawides you'll find in a phone this price. It may even be the best ultrawide in a £400 phone. I wouldn't be shocked if that turns out to be true. Um, maybe the Pixel probably pips it now, but up until a week ago, I probably would have said I'd put money on that being the case. But it's still definitely not as good as the main camera. And do you have any indication in your review, because you um, experienced quite a serious, I would say, uh, display issue. What was that? And does, does the patch fix it? Um, which display issue you're talking about? I haven't used it was, for a week. It was like, didn't you say that it was like orangey and discolored? <laughs> ah, things? yes, yeah. Sorry, that, that completely slipped my mind. Yeah, I have had what I'm assured. I I think this is probably just my phone because yeah. nothing have uh, from talking to the PR and talking to other journalists. I've not found anyone else with the same problem. Right. Um, so I suspect it's an individual problem with my unit. Um, so I don't want to dwell on it too much. But basically, yeah, right. my phone switches to. Basically, it seems to be switching to the low blue light night mode and back again fairly frequently. So every few minutes, the, the white balance of the, the screen just shifts dramatically and suddenly gets all very orange and then it shifts back. Um, yeah, I from like day one, I, I reached out to nothing and I've had a back and forth with, with the PR and with their support and they are completely flummoxed. They say no one else has had it at all and no other journalist I've spoken to has complained about the same thing. Okay. So I, I do think that it's probably on my phone. 
that does mean maybe there's a handful of other phones out there that will have the same issue. I know what we have seen, there's been widespread reports yeah. of um, some green tint to the display. Some people have had displays that run a bit green and some people have had dead pixels or like leading dead pixels around the uh, camera cutout on the front. So it does seem like there are some display issues that are widespread. I haven't had either of those problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are there are a few little flaws on that side. So and that's one of my If you had £400, which, uh, which mid-range phone would you buy? I would very strongly consider this one. So the mm-hmm. benefits the Nothing Phone 1 has over some of the competition, um, I think it's a good size. It's not as small as the Pixel 6a, but it's 6.5 inches, so it's a nice kind of middle-of-the-range size. It's pretty standard for an Android phone. So I think for people who don't actively want a small phone, but equally don't want a giant phone, this is a good middle ground. I think it's kind of the very bog-standard phone size for now. Uh, there are those display issues, and there's clearly some maybe some quality control problems, but on a pure specs basis, you're getting 120 hertz AMOLED, which um, it's basically only matched by the Samsung A53 at this price in terms of the display specs. I'd say the A53 screen is a bit better, but this is this is close. Again, the solid camera setup, um, you get wireless charging, and that's the big benefit this one has for me. I really like wireless charging. I've really built that into my habits and my patterns and the way I use my phone a lot. And it's one of the frustrations I have with reviewing mid-ranges budget phones is I'll absentmindedly put them down on my wireless charging pads and just forget that that really won't do anything. Um, so the fact that this is, I'm pretty confident in saying the cheapest Android phone with wireless charging in is an achievement. And I think that will be a big draw for a lot of people in its own right. Um, you're getting IP53 rating, so it's not the same water protection as the Pixel or as the iPhone or the Galaxy, but it is something. Mm. Um, and the mm-hmm. big weakness for the phone is battery life, though. It's a 4,500 milliampere battery. Um, I have had rubbish battery life. It's it's just about a day, and, and that's it. Um, again, caveat, the patch that went out today says it's had some battery optimizations. So for all I know, they've completely transformed it. And if I used it today, I'd find that it lasted a day and a half, but I don't know. <laughs> when I reviewed it, it was lasting just about a day and it would be very low when I got to bed. Um, that is not the lights, I don't think, because I know that would be the mm. obvious thing. The lights have not been turned on. They don't turn on that much and um, nothing themselves ran a test. I haven't done this test myself, to be fair. But they say that they ran the lights on full brightness, every single light on for 10 minutes, and that only took away 0.5% of the battery life of the phone doing that. And yeah, and, and when you look in sort of uh, the battery tools in Android and, and check battery life stuff, the, the glyph lights are nowhere near the top of the list of what's draining the battery. It's, it's the display. So I think there's some optimization there. So that's the kind of thing. The battery life is bad, but it will probably get better because I do think it's just a question of them yeah. optimizing it further. <clears throat> it's interesting you say that you like built a wireless charging in and that was like a big, a big thing for you. And I'm the opposite, but I still think it's interesting that um, yeah. we made, I don't know if it's a tech journalist thing, do people care about this? But basically, yeah, I was going to say that one of the things that would put me off, I think my choice would be the Pixel, and maybe we're both colored by the phones that we've actually reviewed. But mm. the one thing that annoyed me, despite the excellent battery life on the Pixel, was how slow and erratic the charging was. And one of the things that I really like about the OnePlus Nord 2T, um, uh, for that matter, any fast charging phone, but this one in particular at this price, is that I just don't charge my phone overnight. And it completely yep. changes my charging habits. And I, I didn't really realize how much I valued that until I went back to 
this phone that I had to just plug in at bedtime, you know, you know, I was coming back after using it and it was maybe down to 40% and we wanted to go out again when I was on holiday. So I like, plugged my phone in and I was just like, I was so annoyed with how slow it was charging. Um, so I think that, yeah, <laughs> I, I think more than I realized, I really value fast wired charging and I've never invested in wireless chargers. I think but just simply, I think my reasoning is when they came out, it was so difficult to get it above five watts, which was so slow that I've just not bothered with wireless charging. What about you, Lewis? Yeah, I think I'm the same as you, really. I don't really care for wireless charging. I do like the MagSafe mm -hmm. stuff on the iPhone, um, but that's only because it's just... I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing with wireless charging. It's convenient, isn't it? But I think because it's got a decent charge speed, I don't mind it so much. But yeah, I've always got that in the back of my mind. God, what, I mean, it is with my iPhone. It's stuck at 7.5 watts, so it is very much mm -hmm. a very slow wireless charging experience where I can plug my phone in and I'll get 26, 27 watts and that's a vast improvement. And it, yeah, it does mean that I can just plug it in for a little while and I'll get a decent amount yeah. of charge and then I'm out the door again. And it's the same thing with the, um, the Black Shark and stuff like that. Like 120 watt fast charge is just incredible. Like I, I would definitely take faster right. charging over wireless charging. I would hesitate because I do love really fast charging as well, in fairness. But yeah, I just have a couple of wireless charging pads dotted <laughs> around. I think I have three in my flat. Mm. Um, one on my desk, one by my bed and one by the sofa. And wherever I'm sitting, I can just sort of put the phone down on there and it's just where the phone sits when I'm not using it. It sits on a wireless charger and just slowly ticks up battery again. So I have to be very careful when I'm reviewing devices because I have to stop myself doing that because it gives me a terrible sense of battery life because I'm just digging <laughs> little bits of charge every now and then throughout yeah. the day. But when I'm actually using a phone not for review, that's basically what it does. It just is always getting charged a little bit. It's probably terrible for the battery, but um, I find it super convenient. Yeah, that's kind of why I don't do it. That's that's my big worry is that it's, it's detrimental yeah. to battery life, just having the wireless chargers around everywhere and plonking it on, giving a little bit here and there. I'd rather, you know, rinse it down as much as I yeah. can. I never really hit zero, but as much as I can through the day and then just okay, do so it overnight. Okay, so we have these five phones around this price point. Here's my my pitch of, of who should buy what phone and why. I'm curious to hear if you guys think I've got this about right. Um, the <laughs> OnePlus Nord 2T for the fast charging. That's yep. the thing this one does that none of the others in this price yep. band do, at least from these five we're kind of thinking about, um, and it is great. The nothing for the wireless charging or the design, if you really like the kind of oddness of the design and the light setup and that kind of thing. It's very unique, and yeah, obviously none of them look sure. anything like this phone. Um, the Pixel, I would say, is a bit of an all-rounder, but if it had strong points, it's presumably the camera and the software side, because Pixel software is, is still great. Mm. Um, the iPhone SE if you really need a cheap iPhone but please don't buy that phone it sucks so bad but no I mean that is that is the iPhone one if other than that though I can't see any compelling yeah. reason for someone toying between an iPhone or an Android to pick the SE over any of these I, I would argue for the SE the most powerful chip and probably the best software support mm-hmm yeah, I yeah. guess that's true. I don't think the chip matters considering it's got a two and a half inch display, so it can't run anything anyway. Uh, but you I'll give I mean. you the software support. <laughs> for when, for when it needs to run iOS to, 20, it will be. The able thing to on do the software it. support is I'd actually just say get the Galaxy A53 because it. that's the only reason I pick up the A53 because it's a much better phone than the SE in every respect almost, uh, except wireless charging and performance. Um, but at that price point, you. The fact that it's going to still get four years of updates and a fifth of security patches, I think is enough. I, I'm aware the iPhone will run a little bit longer than that, but I do think there's a diminishing returns thing. I think, you know, two years isn't enough. Three years is good, but could be better. 
four, four to five year, fantastic. Beyond that, it's great that Apple keeps updating them and there are people out there that get the benefit. And if that's you, great, bear it in mind. But the number of people really keeping a phone after six, seven years, like that's a very small list. I know Chris <laughs> Evans is on it, but other than that, uh, it's a really small group of people. And um, yeah, so I wouldn't weigh that too heavily. But yeah, that's how I would how I would separate them all. No. How do you, what do you guys think? Other I, than thinking I'm, I'm too harsh on the iPhone, obviously. Yeah, I think you're... <laughs> yeah, we love the iPhone, don't we? But yeah, no, I think you're, you're basically on the money there. I think... Um... The Nothing Phone, for me, the Nothing Phone is the favorite out of all of them. And I don't know why, because everything tells me it should be the Nord 2T with the fast charging and the 90 hertz, because that's, I mean, the jump from 60 to 90 is all I really care about mm. um, in terms of high refresh rate. Anything past that is just, it's nice to have. Um, but there is something about the design of, of the Nothing Phone that just kind of calls me in. And I think that is definitely the, the big thing. So it's, if it's the aesthetic, if you love the aesthetic, yeah. then that is yeah. the phone for you. I would have personally... Um, um, found it difficult to pick between the Pixel and the OnePlus. Those are my general tastes. Were it not for OnePlus's kind of oppo-fication, I do miss the old style of um, yeah. Oxygen OS when I when I use uh, OnePlus phones now. I think it gave them a lot of the character and um, yeah. uh, that that is lost and potentially nothing has kind of nicked a bit of that back. So I, I probably would pick the Pixel just because I like the software experience um, and I love the camera. Yeah, one thing to say on that, on that software note, I... I do agree that nothing has nicked a little bit of the OnePlus feel. It is definitely different to Oxygen OS, but it's got that lightweight kind of feeling where it's light on animations. It's very smooth and fluid to use. Um, it is a mm -hmm. little bit buggy. And I had this with the Ear One headphones at launch as well. And to be fair to them, I think every issue I ever had with the Ear Ones did get patched and fixed. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful that that'll be the same thing. And the fact that we've already got our first big OTA update with quite a lot of fixes in it. Um, they are working on this, so I do comment in my review that nothing, the nothing OS is a little buggy. It's nowhere near as buggy as I found the headphones at launch, and I, I do think they're recognizing that they need to sort that side of it out. So I'm quite optimistic that, say, by the time we hit the phone two, their software side will be one of their big strengths. Whereas right now it's a bit of a, you know, there's ups but there's downs as well. Mm. Um, they also, I haven't been able to test the, the NFT gallery or Tesla. <laughs> widgets which only dropped today what? and i don't own any <laughs> nfts or a tesla and i'm unlikely ever to um but i really hope they do less of that stuff <laughs> cool all right shall we talk about samsung for a bit yes so samsung has announced a galaxy unpacked event on august 10th um it has in various different bits of its website alluded to what we're going to get um, we know we're getting a foldable because it's shown a little teaser with a foldable folding. Uh, that foldable looks an awful lot like a Z Flip. So we're getting a Z Flip 4, basically. Um, it also has a US-only pre-order reservation kind of offer page, uh, which tells you it's launching a phone, a watch, and some headphones. So we also know we're getting the Galaxy <laughs> yeah. Watch 5 and what everyone thinks it's going to be the Galaxy Buds Pro 2 or maybe the Galaxy Buds 2 Pro, depending on how they want to name them, or they'll surprise us and it'll be something else. But it'll be their new top-tier earbuds, basically, is what we're thinking. Um, and then, presumably, we're going to get the Fold 4 alongside the Flip 4, because uh, that would be pretty weird if we didn't. So maybe let's do reverse order. Let's start with the um, the Buds, then the Watch, and then, and then get to the Phones, which I guess is what most people care about the most. Uh, the Buds can be quick. We don't know a lot about these. We know we're getting the Pro model. There's been one <laughs> leak of renders, which basically show 
a very similar design to uh, the previous Buds Pro, which I think launched two years ago, but I'm not positive. Uh, it looks like they're going to be available in purple, white, and graphite, a very dark gray near black. And that's it. Well, we, yeah, the, the Buds yeah, Pro. That's all we know. The Buds Pro <laughs> really, were, were really good because I, I like I like Samsung uh, the, the attempt at the ecosystem. Um, when I use all three phone watch and buds together, they do work incredibly well. Um, and I didn't like the older Buds Plus personally. I like they were good sound, but they didn't have uh, ANC, and they yep. kind of hurt my ears a little bit. So I was really chuffed when I reviewed the Buds Pro because they fit very well. They're like Bean esque, but they're not those Bean ones. They actually do have a proper in ear with. The, I just want to say. Well, we're on the beans. I am sad we have not yet had Buds <laughs> Live 2 because I was I love the beans. <laughs> right. I still use the beans all the time. Yeah. I think they're great. I bought a pair from my mum. They're among my favourite headphones last year. And I say that as someone who went into reviewing them as an incredible sceptic. I thought they were so yeah. dumb. I didn't get the shape. They absolutely were super comfortable. Great sound. That's Love good to know, beans, yeah, because I, ne I never, I never, I never beaned, but then I, I used the pros and they were very comfortable actually, and very yeah. good sound quality. But they gave me like a horrendous ear infection, and I had to go to the doctor. And I thought it was just me, and it was all very embarrassing, so I didn't tell anybody. And then it's transpired. I think I was, uh, I'm pretty sure I saw an op-ed on Android Central, uh, and also all over Reddit when I further looked into it. This is actually more common than it should be, and there's a particular. Uh, material in the buds pro that people get allergic reactions to um and it was horrible so i really hope whatever that is <laughs> they they've changed that. and i, and I will yeah. not be reviewing these yeah <laughs> to, to balance that i reviewed the buds pro 2 and did not have any horrible ear infections or rashes so they don't don't do it to everyone but yeah i mean that's one of those little problems you see with a lot of this stuff i know i think the quest 2 had a recall for a bit because there was some material they were using on the face mask that yeah. was giving people um rashes and it's just yeah certain plastics or silicons just seem to react to people different people in different ways um but yeah i i like the buds pro a lot i they were my regular headphones for a while i i only stopped because i found the fit was never quite right for for me on on my ear for some reason one of them fit perfectly and the other ear was always a little bit loose right. and i could never quite get it right with uh, any of the tips on I'm I'm hoping they've slightly changed the shape in some subtle way that suddenly means they fit my ear that little bit better. Um, but other than <laughs> that, which seemed to be a unique me problem, uh, yeah, I thought they were they were a great pair of headphones and cheaper than I thought. They're only around two hundred, and if they can stick to the same price, um, I think they'll they'll be really good. The question, yeah, the question I have here is I guess a problem a lot of earbud manufacturers are dealing with these days is now they've gone and put ANC in the regular. Us too. How do they <laughs> differentiate the pros now? What do they do with this gen of pros that tells you this is a step up? You know what what earns that pro name? So I'm curious. Other than just mm -hmm. saying the sounds better, we put a better driver in. Uh, I'm curious how they're going to differentiate these from the buds too. But um... I mean, you've got the um, this with this with the Snapdragon Eight Plus Gen One that you're getting support for um, Qualcomm's mm. new lossless codec for audio. So it could be possible that these support lossless in some way because it's not true. Around, yeah. around the same time, but who knows? Because that's mm. the, this is the big, the big it, mirror. It's, it's, it just depends true, what the audio pro. source is, though, right? Because they can even if you've got the phone and those awesome buds, but then if you're playing songs off Spotify, which doesn't do high res audio, yeah, it's then, it's a, yeah, it's a, exactly it's it a niche matter. feature in yeah. the sense that it's got to be only people who care about this stuff and are using the right audio source to to get that. Which you know, as you say, anyone on Spotify, which includes me. Is, is not going to get any benefit from that. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's wear the watches then mm. next. Um, so we're expecting the Galaxy Watch 5. 
Um, again, I think this is one where we've seen a few leaks and a few renders, but we don't really have a really comprehensive view of what we're getting in the Watch 5. Is that yeah, right, Henry? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Like, So I guess in in some, in the same way that the, the Apple Watch is kind of very... <laughs> Apple fans, I'm sorry, uses quite an iterative design, but somehow managed to excite us all because it, it's the best smartwatch out there. I will say that. But the Galaxy Watch is in a bit of a funny period at the moment where it's kind of criticized for not changing the design very much. Um, so there's like, and it is a bit confusing with the naming schemes. We had like the Galaxy Watch Active 2 uh, and, the, and the Galaxy, um, but that was like at the same time as the Galaxy Watch three and stuff like that so it was all very weird so last year they went to yeah. they simplified it thankfully it was galaxy watch four and then the four classic and the four looked a bit like the active but it was just a regular model and then the classic has that physically rotating bezel um that i would say looks fairly masculine uh, and it is quite a large watch it was like 46 millimeter um and that was one of the main th the great things about the samsung watches but it looks as though with the watch five that will be just the obvious successor to the watch four then it's the only kind of concrete uh rumor here is that we're getting the watch five pro so they're changing the naming we don't get a classic anymore and it looks like it's going to be called pro uh again. yeah again uh because i think we are saying goodbye to the rotating bezel it's, it looks the renders that we've seen which aren't official renders uh but they're from they're looking like it's just pretty much got a slightly more raised bezel but that bezel doesn't turn it's probably a capacitive so you can still use like the capacitive turn but the thing that we got last time was that samsung stepped away from tizen and it is running wear os and so it's in this curious spot now where samsung got exclusivity to the latest version of wear os um and it still managed to keep some of the kind of rotary old telephone style design from Tizen. So it was quite a cool experience. Um, but we're now at the point where the Watch 5 is probably going to run Wear OS 3.5, but with, let me get this right, One UI Watch 4.5. <laughs> so it gets kind of exclusivity, of but it does iterate the base Wear OS to a more Samsungified uh, thing. And it's probably going to be 40 and 44 millimeter, like we saw last year on the original. So you get the two options uh, of size. And then the Pro looks like it's going to be one size, but bigger. Um, and then we're probably going to get an Exynos chip in there as well. Sorry, Dom. Yeah, I was going to say, do we have any sense yet from the leaks of what else might set the Pro apart other than being a little bit larger than the, the other Watch 5 it's models? Normally, it's normally the design. So this is, yeah. this is why it's a bit strange, because it's probably just going to be a little bit bigger. And what I imagine they'll do is, and this is according to the rumors as well, it'll probably just be the material, which again is quite an Apple thing. Um, if you want to get mm. more expensive Apple watches, they are more expensive because, well, sometimes because they have LTE and it looks like they'll have those options here as well. But then you're probably going to have a titanium or sapphire or something like that. Might look a bit more blingy or it might just like be a bit more uh, resistant to wear and tear. But that's probably how they're going to differentiate it rather than the design this time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am sad to see the rotating bezel go. I reviewed the regular four not the not the classics mm. i did review the one with the bezel but i did get to sort of uh, borrow it for a bit and, and try it out and while the watch 4 classic was definitely i found it too large a watch for my taste that bezel was great that was a really nice design touch it was very yeah. satisfying to use the way they integrate it was, yeah. was really really impressive i'm and pretty nostalgic about it the first smartwatch yeah. i ever bought myself was the I gear s2 and i pretty much bought that because it had a rotating bezel yeah 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 that was one of the first things i saw at an event um, uh, when I first started working, <laughs> and I went and went to do the hands-on of the, the, the of the S2, and I love that 
bezel. It was great. And then the Galaxy Watch 3 mm. also yeah. had it in a smaller size. So it was like a 38 mil case and it still had the bezel. And I just, it just, it was so good. And I'm so glad about <laughs> no, it. So, so yeah, they're going to be like busy. Yeah. I can <laughs> only assume Classic just wasn't selling last year, right? That must be. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's yeah. not, it's going to dwarf, you know, small wrists. Uh, it's, it's a yeah. huge watch. So they, it, might, it must be a sales thing. Um, but I'm glad they're sticking with Circular because it works for their OS. It makes sense. It doesn't make sense to have a Circular Apple Watch, but it does here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, sure. let's turn to the phones then because mm. that is the um, main point of interest. I, let's, I guess get the bad news out of the way up front. Um, everything we've said so far about the buds and the watches, other than the dropping the bezel, is basically iterative design changes. You know, little steps forward, slight tweaks, little spec bump here, you know, change the curvature of a bud there. Um, we're going to see exactly the same with both phones from everything the leaks are telling us. There is no sign yet that either of these foldables is getting a radical redesign or, or a shift or any massive new features, um, which makes sense in isolation because they gave both these phones pretty big upgrades last year. The, you know, the, the Gen 3 of both these products was the big upgrade. I think a lot of the coverage last year, certainly ours, was yeah. around, wow, they've gone from a cool novelty to, you know, these are really great devices. They took that step towards real mainstream performance and success. Um, I think yeah. looking at the unpacked as a whole, I think it does feel like a shame that there is not, from what we can tell so far, there's not going to be any product that has a massive, we've done something totally new and crazy here. So I do worry if the overall effect of the unpacked might be a little deflationary. Um, I think what they could do is, and what I'm really hoping they're going to do is take this opportunity to lower the price. That's the one big thing that they could do and kind of get everyone excited is to drop yeah, the price. Yeah, and I think that's a big hope. Um, I think actually we might be more likely to see it with the flip than the fold, though I'm not sure. Oh, really? Uh, I say that only because one of the interesting things is that Samsung had a lot of success with the flip last year and they have, uh, according to yep. leaks, significantly increased their production order this year for the flip versus the fold and the ratio of flips to folds has gone up a lot so they're okay. expecting to sell more flip fours than they sold flip threes and that leads to that little feeling of is there another 50 buck price cut in line here to help make that happen um but let's get to, to mm -hmm. what we are actually seeing so yeah the flip basically looks the same um it's very, very similar. <laughs> what we've seen on the renders we've seen so far are small tweaks. Um, the selection of colors has changed ever so slightly. Um, it looks like we're going to see gold, gray, a light blue, and a light purple. Um, the outer display is getting fractionally bigger, though it really is. It's going up by another 0.1 of an inch or something like that. Mm. I think <laughs> at a glance, you can't even tell it's changed. Wow. You'd have to put them side by side to really spot. But I think they're just eking out a little bit more space. But it's still that design where you have the, the two-tone, the big block of the main color, and then a black block for the display and the cameras to sit in. They've just managed to, you know, find a little more space for the screen in that black block, basically. Um, I'm, I'm quietly confident about some of these upgrades, though. Um, were you going to go? Yeah. Sorry, were you going to say? The, the small tweaks they're making all seem like good tweaks. Because I, I think, think, yeah. yeah. The, taking the flip... I think what they're doing is they're fixing one of the two problems that phone has, looking at the Flip 3. The Flip 3 has basically two big weaknesses. Battery life, which is actively bad, 
<laughs> and cameras, which are yep. just okay. Like, they were fine, um, but definitely not flagship level for the price they're operating in. The cameras, from what we can tell, are not really changing in any meaningful way. So I think Samsung is saving that one for next year. I hope where it will come in and upgrade the cameras significantly. But I think, once again, this will be eh, on the camera side. Good enough for Instagram, not a photography phone. But the battery, we've heard that yeah. they are, A, going to squeeze in a bigger battery. There's been a lot of debate as to how much bigger, so I don't want to go as far as numbers because it's been very inconsistent in leaks. But everyone thinks the battery's getting bigger. Um, but B, they are upgrading to the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, apparently. And one thing that phone has brought with it is actually fairly decent oh, nice. power efficiency improvements from what we've seen. Do, do so we that, get that in the UK? Yes, I think all everything, the all the foldables the should be Snapdragon. That's yeah. what it was before, and that's the expectation this time. No Exynos. Nice. So should be a combination of bigger battery, more efficient chip. And the hope is that takes the flip from a just about a day's battery phone to a proper, you know, one and a half days device, which is what it kind of needs to needs to yeah. hit. At least, yeah, that comfortable day, as you were saying, yeah. so getting to 20% at the end of the day rather than being at 4% on the end of the day. Because I, I use the uh, Fold 3 yeah. for several months as my main phone, uh, luckily, lucky me, um, and I loved it. And it was a strange form factor to get used to, but I did mm. get used to it. And I really, really liked it. And so what I think is <laughs> the, t the main problems that it had uh, were that it is it doesn't close flat and it kind of bugged me, particularly as we were seeing the Oppo Find N and other phones like that that can close flat and just... I don't really mind yeah, about the aesthetic. Just about it's just the, looking at the thing I didn't really mind because you're normally looking at one of the screens so you don't normally see it, but it yep. could be a bit slimmer and nicer and feel like a phone when you're holding it. Um, and then the other thing was the durability mm -hmm. of it because I was using that main screen a lot, opening and mm -hmm. closing, and then the reason I stopped using the phone is because the you know the laminate began to peel away. Like mm -hmm. it did it a tiny little bit at the top and I was like, oh, it's probably all right. And then it just took two or three days and it was like peeling all the way down to the middle of the screen. Um, and, you know, if the Fold wow. 3 uh, is already prohibitively expensive, the people who are spending that money on it um, are getting a phone that, for me, was not very durable at all. And also one of my best mates who is techie-ish, and he bought the Flip 3, um, mm -hmm. the, the one you loved them. And uh, that is now, well, however many months old. I think he probably had it like nine months. And there is like visible cracks to the yeah. um, screen it, where it folds. It, it's worth saying we have, we have a colleague as well who bought the Flip uh, the Flip 3 at launch, and yeah, hers has a crack along the middle where it folds. So I love the Flip 3. I used it a lot when it first came out and when I reviewed it, and it has been for a long time the phone I go back to when I'm between devices. But still, because I'm reviewing a lot of phones, it spends most of its time sitting closed on my desk, not yeah. being used. I have not used it every day for, for 11 months. For, the, for Samsung to be the market leader and still mm. have all these problems is quite remarkable. And like it shows that yeah. probably not that many people are buying them when you actually compare it to the wider phone market. I know yeah. they've sold X million, which is still impressive. But for this to be a, a, like a viable thing, because the people I would... I don't think Marie and my mate are going to go and buy the Flip 4 having had that experience. And Samsung exactly. can't, can't do well. this like, oh, free screen replacement. Like Nobody wants to faff about with that. Like Yeah. If it might be a boring thing for them to say in their presentation, but if they say that that's improved or at least admit that it was bad and now it's better, then that would actually yeah. probably be, be good long term. I mean, the, the good news there is a lot of that, I think, tends to come down to the hinge design rather than the screen. And right. one thing we've seen in leaks yeah. is it's very hard to tell. It does look like maybe they've both had slightly tweaked hinges. You can kind of see very subtle shifts in the hinge shape. Hard to say for sure. We'll have to wait till the launch to see if Samsung confirmed that they have made shifts there. 
But yeah, there have been leaks saying it looks like the hinges have changed a bit. It looks like the crease is a bit subtler on the phone. That suggests a hinge change. And hopefully that will then have a knock-on effect to the wear and tear it gets from folding. But yeah, it, that is obviously hard to predict with any with any confidence. Mm. Um, the changes the fold is getting as opposed to the flip, it's getting the same boost to an 8 Plus Gen 1. We're pretty yeah. confident. Um, it looks like the fold is getting camera upgrades, though, unlike the flip. Um, which I think makes more sense because that is the more expensive one, the one really trying to compete with, yeah. you know, ultras and the like. Yeah, um, I thought it should have, have the same cameras, and it was kind of nuts that it was basically regular yeah. S twenty one kind yeah. of level. Exactly, kind of like a couple years <laughs> old regular model flagship. Um, we have seen one leaker predict that basically the the whole S twenty two Ultra camera module is is being put in in the Fold Four, and it's going to have that whole setup. Um, Though then other people have said it's going to be that, but without the periscope. So it'll be the same trio of, um, you know, main ultra wide and three mm. times zoom, but but not have the 10 times, which I think makes sense because I think the space of a periscope on the foldable is an, an extra level of challenge. Yeah. Another nerdy rumor that got me excited as well was having used the three. If they can just make that phone slightly shorter and slightly yes. wider. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Because so <laughs> the front screen is too small to use even for te mm. texting and i've got small hands and yeah. so many typos it's just too small yeah so we have mm. that's the one thing i really did like about the the find ends form factor is that the outside yeah. display was really nice to use yeah. it just felt like yeah. a normal phone so it does look like they they might be um making some shift in that regard though i don't think it's going to go all the way to the find end form factor um the other form factor changes as we kind of expected before, there's been some talk that they are they have found a way to fit the S Pen in with an actual S Pen slot in the chassis of the phone, which they didn't manage last time. Um, I'm not sure about that, but yeah, um, I don't know. I uh, yeah. didn't want to use an S Pen on the screen anyway, because well, a because those cases look crap and yeah. they cost like a hundred quid, and then also <laughs> because. <laughs> That little nib is just going to permanently indent indent the screen. Yeah, no so, way. I mean, that was why they they took an extra year to do the S Pen for it was because I think on the two they they wanted to have the S Pen for the two, but they couldn't get it to the point where it, wasn't, just it like wouldn't scratch the screen. Too, too many badly, weird but... compromises. Like if you've got that whole screen, you want to, to be able to use the whole thing, and they had to create this really complicated algorithm because the hinge bit right in the middle can't detect the pen, so they had to create a whole right, algorithm yeah. that guessed where a line would go, and it was mm. just like. <laughs> the um the other big change we actually haven't seen many rumors on but they've got to be doing is an upgrade yep. to the under display camera which that was, was a, I can't so believe, I still can't so believe bad. that shipped <laughs> like it was that bad yeah yeah no. it's not that was my my take yeah. on that as well it, I, I'm unbelievable that Samsung shipped a product with that bad a camera in it and uh, especially considering as we just said they they were <clears throat> they wouldn't ship an S Pen with the Fold Two because it was causing problems mm -hmm. and it wasn't good enough. And I'm shocked they didn't hit the same realization with that yeah. display camera. Particularly as one of the things I enjoyed doing with it was taking video calls while having another app open. But then mm. the camera was so bad that it, uh, like you know, my video feed was awful. So, yeah. 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 So that's the big area I think we need a step up. Um, even Samsung has to acknowledge it wasn't good in the last year. And there's, there's room for improvement. Yeah. To be honest, I'd rather them just go back to a cutout. 
than do anything yeah, like exactly. that again. At least you'd have a good camera. That I can't see them doing just because it's it's admitting defeat, right? <laughs> It'd be embarrassing. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, my voice is apparently going, so I think we should probably call that a day for today. Um, <laughs> thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening. We will be back next week. I can confirm that I now have the Xiaomi 12S Ultra in my hands. This arrived about an hour ago, so Ooh. what I've done is turn it on, realize it's a Chinese model, <laughs> and put it back down until I can figure out how to put Google on it. Um, but I am going to put my SIM in that, and I'm hopefully going to be talking about that next week. And also, next week is the launch of the Asus Zenfone 9, so we will hopefully have that to talk about too. Cool. So, until then, cool. thank you both for joining me. Thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening, and bye for now. See ya.